What a beautiful, beautiful job. I'm reminded of a general superintendent we had by the name of Earl Wilson for the Wesleyan Church. And as he was preaching, he was using the scripture, there is none righteous, no, not one, right? And our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? You got that picture in Scripture. and But he turned around and he said, but you're not so bad off that God can't do something with you. Aren't you glad for that? That God didn't look at you and I and say, y'all are a total waste and disregard us. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the day in camp meeting. <laughs> I was a camp meeting baby. Most of y'all went home, I bet, when you were born and from the hospital, wherever it was. Maybe some, I'm telling on myself, some of y'all may have already been at home when you were born. I don't know. But you went home. When I was born back in August the 9th, 1971, I got to come home from the hospital, but mom and dad didn't take me home. I went to camp meeting. And so that was my upbringing. That was Peggy's upbringing. I know y'all are waiting on a Peggy story, and I'm going to give you one in just a little bit, but that was our upbringing. And the times that we spent around the altar in that tabernacle, working our salvation out, working those things out. I'm glad that I made that choice and I nailed it down. Yes, Lord, not only do I believe in you and confess your name, but I accept the gracious gift of love that you have extended to me, and I will worship you in response, right? For what God has done for each and every one of us. I'm glad that I knelt at the cross. I gave my heart to Jesus.
Yes, down at the cross where my Savior died. Down there for cleansing for sin, I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. And glory to His name. Would you take your scripture, turn to Isaiah 6. It's probably one of the most familiar, most famous passages of scripture. I'm going to come down here with y'all if that's all right. Come on down. Isaiah 6. We've been talking, last night we began revival services with talking of the presence of God and how that itself is an experience of preparation, that we have a part in this relationship with God, that we would praise Him and bring Him just unbridled thankfulness and praise, that we would um, just extend fully and wholly sacrifice everything to him we call that sanctification for those of you who've been in the church for a long time maybe we'll hit that here in a little bit giving your heart to the lord fully every corner every crevice of yourself to the lord sacrificing to him 
whatever that might be. So praising him, sacrificing him. Can somebody tell me the last thing? I'm going to put you on the spot. Prayer. And maybe we learned a little bit more about prayer last night and we're challenged not to use God as our personal genie, you know, because that's what we often do. Lord, you align yourself up with my will and what I need and my wishes. When prayer is for you and I to align with his will. It's a little bit different when we're talking that way. It's a little bit harder because we have to swallow some things when we give God that control in our lives. I want to continue that thought being in the presence of God, but I want to look at Isaiah and his experience when he was in ministering in the temple. And it's Isaiah 6. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. You've been sitting for a minute. Let's stand and, and um, get my glasses out. My eyes just are not as strong as they used to be. Verses 1 through 8. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a holy or a lofty throne. And the train of the robe filled the temple. Hovering around him were mighty seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with the remaining two they flew. In a great course they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The glorious singing shook the temple of to its foundations, and the entire sanctuary was filled with smoke. Then I said, My destruction is sealed. For I am a sinful man and a member of a sinful race, yet I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew over to the altar, and he picked up a burning coal with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go out for us? And I said, Lord, I'll go. Send me. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, again, we just ask for your blessings tonight. Lord, would you renew our minds and our spirits once again? Would you draw us closer to you would you challenge us in a way that you've never challenged us before may we have woken up this evening in a way that we've never woken up before would you grab hold of our minds our ears our eyes and our hearts tonight in christ jesus name we pray and ask these things amen you may be seated Isaiah, if you read 
the scripture before that, you would understand that Isaiah was troubled at the death of Uzziah the king. And it consumed his life in such a way that he became disoriented to the heavenly king. Has that ever happened to you? You get so focused on life and what is going on that you lose sight of God the Father, Jesus the Son that we sang about, the Holy Spirit, the three in one. And we get so consumed in life with situations and things going around us um, right, right up. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. But it was on the news first thing this morning there in Matthews. A school shooting happened. Did you hear that this morning? And it wasn't just, uh, what, a few days ago that a Jewish synagogue there up north was uh, a gunman went in and opened fire up. And sometimes those things, we get so consumed with all of those things and we just want to take and we want to grab our family members and our friends and get them under one roof and lock them down tight. You know what I mean? And we get so overwhelmed and we get consumed with all of the adversities of life that we forget that the Lord is near, that He is real that he is present with us. We're talking about the presence of God. Well, Isaiah will teach us that it is an experience of purity. It's an experience of purity. God's presence was evident in the place, described by the smoke that filled the temple. God showed up. And what a wonderful, wonderful blessing. I think there's three things. Maybe there's some more, but let's just tackle three things this evening that Isaiah became aware of in the life of purity as he was in the presence of God. Maybe you can identify with one of these things tonight. The first being this, the need for his life to be cleansed. To be cleansed of what? Sin. I saw the Lord seated on that lofty throne. And out of that experience, he immediately saw his sin. He saw where he was truly at in his relationship with the Lord. And he says, I'm undone. I'm unclean. Lord, I got to confess this to you. It's 1 John 3, 6, if you want to turn there and look at that verse of scriptures, there are two things that we find out about sin. Now, we often would say sin are things that we ought not do, right? We understand that in scripture, sin is defined as things that we ought not do. But scripture also defines us as things we don't do that we ought to do. Have you ever thought of that? And this is where my Peggy story comes in. 
There's five of us in our family. There's a brother, older brother, and a younger brother for her that's in between her and I. And then we have two older sisters. And I'm the baby. I'm the youngest. And out of my family, all four of them spoke into my life whether I wanted it or not. They showed me things that I ought not do, and I learned from their example, right? And when mom and dad sat them down and, and, and proceeded to, to discuss what they had done wrong, I learned that pretty quick. Okay, I'm not going to do that. That is not right. But then there were times they would remind me of things that I needed to do, but I failed not to. And this particular occasion, I don't know, I, don't, I think I was junior high, maybe something like that, and Peggy was still at home, and uh, we were headed somewhere, and uh, I just naturally went up to the door, and I opened the door, and I stepped right through. And it was a couple of moments after I woke up, I picked myself up off the sidewalk, thinking, what in the world just happened? And she, I said, Peggy, what are you doing? And she said, get up. She said, you need to open the door for a lady. <laughs> now, don't ever do that again. You failed to do what you ought to do. So I have opened the door for a lady ever since, and I'm not kidding. It's surprising the responses that you get when you open the door for, for anyone, much less uh, a woman. You know what I mean. But sin is that. It, it, sure, it's the list of the don'ts. But sin in the scripture reminds us, look, if you see somebody in need and you don't, Go take care of the need. Guess what, guys? We failed. It's sin. We struggle with that. I understand that. But there's a couple of things that First John chapter 3 and verse 6. Do we have that scripture? I can't remember if I put it up there or not. Maybe not. Two things. I'll read it in a different version. It'll, you'll pick this up. The first is this with that scripture. Regardless of what we think or say our spiritual condition is, a lifestyle of sin shows us that we are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I said? The lifestyle of sin proves that we are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. As believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot persist, continue in our sin. The second thing is this we've got to understand about sin. If we do not hate sin as God does, then we have not taken a close enough look at God because God detests sin. And if we keep justifying, then we really haven't understood who God is. 
Because we like to do that, don't we? Well, this is okay. And we'll continue in our sin. The message version reads this. I just like how it says. None of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Christ. They've got him all backwards. Backwards. If we continue and persist in our sin. The lifestyle is what we're talking about. No, I'm not saying perfection. But I am saying we ought to be sinning less, right, as we grow in our relationship with God. Now track this with me. I heard this earlier this week, and it just made all the sense, uh, more sense for me. But as we grow in our relationship with God and we mature in our walk with Him, then we ought not to be struggling with, we, with things that we struggled with from day one. But also as we mature in our relationship, like Isaiah, what happens? We're more aware of our sin. Now come on. We're more aware. We know a little bit more what it is. And we know sometimes it is not a mistake, church. And as we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life and He is guiding and directing us away from those kinds of things. We are made aware more of our sin. We start scrutinizing ourselves a little bit more and that's a good thing because again we're aligning ourselves with God and this is exactly what happens to Isaiah guys. He's a preacher. Come on. He's serving in the temple. He is in the presence of God, and the first thing he says is, whoa, wait a minute. I am a man unclean. I am not worthy of the presence of God. And like the scripture said, the seraphs came over, the angels came over, the cherubs, they came over, and they touched his tongue with the coal so his sin could be atoned for. And thinking of this sin, when we first become a believer in Jesus Christ, we want to ask for forgiveness and we want to confess, right? We need to confess. Yes, that's a mistake. That's a wrong do doing. But remember that confession is only confession. Because if we let it, we can still live a life unchanged. Oh, yeah, I screwed up. No big deal. Uh, I was encouraged to sow my wild oats in college. I, that's okay. Uh, my kids, go, go, go ahead. Go, go ahead and do that. You, you take some time and uh, that's okay. It's wrong, but it's It's okay. It takes more than confession, church. It's repentance. It's stopping. You see the wrong and you stop it and you turn the other direction. It's the turning of the heart and the mind away from Satan to the Lord, you see. 
And as we begin, even in the life of sanctification, and I don't know, some people have experienced and said that they've been saved and sanctified at the same time. That wasn't my experience, and I'm not sure what your experience may have been, but I know that there were two points. When I quit messing with my sins... And I came to a place where I had to deal with the reason I was sinning, which was the fallen man in me. And that's what the life of sanctification does. You start saying, well, it's not just the things, it's the reason why. And Lord, I'm going to completely surrender it to you. And so you have Isaiah being found in the presence of God, seeing his sin for what it was, confessing it, asking for a cleansing, stopping repenting of it, turning towards the Lord. And isn't it interesting? Isn't this fitting? What happens right after this happens and the cherubs come and they touch his tongue with the coals? Isn't this great there around verse 8? Do you see what happens? He begins hearing things he's never heard before. Uh, he, He understood God a whole lot more clear if he had ever heard him before that day. Now he knows he heard God Almighty. He started hearing heavenly chatter. And it piques his interest. This is interesting about some hearing loss. 48 million Americans have a significant hearing loss. I'm one of the 48 million. I know Peggy is the second. In fact, if you want a funny conversation, you sit us down anywhere. My right ear is gone and her left ear is gone. And when we're sitting on that side of each other, we can't hear Jack. We will come up with the conversations that y'all would not believe. Who did what? 48 million Americans, significant hearing loss. It doesn't take long for your hearing to go. I was a bus driver, and I do that on the side. I've, I've uh, driven bus a long time, and a lot of students, and um, I kept hearing, hearing this music in the background, and I kept fussing at the kids. Turn your music off, because they would play it without their earphones. And I didn't care if they had their earphones on, but I did not want to be distracted. I wanted to be able to hear sirens or whatever it was I needed to hear. Y'all cut that stuff off, and they would just look at me like I was crazy. What are you talking about? Well, I'm hearing something. What is going on? And here it was a young man right behind me, with his earphones on, and I could hear the music coming out of those earphones as if I'm talking to you right now. That's how clear it was. Those kinds of things will help you lose your hearing. Those aren't good things. Noise is one of the leading causes of hearing loss. People wait on the average of seven years before they start 
recognizing and admitting that they don't hear as well as they used to. One out of three people over the age of 65 have some degree of hearing loss. Two out of every three people over 75 have hearing loss. There's two types of hearing loss. You have the hearing loss that deals with the structure of the ear, those bones and those eardrums. And, and it it's, it's, um, has to do with the, that outer part of the ear and, and how those vibrations go into that ear and things bounce around so that you can hear. And that's where my hearing loss comes from. I, have, I, I had trouble. I, we were up in South Dakota. We were pastoring a Wesleyan church up there in Aberdeen. We were 30 miles south of the North Dakota border. And, uh, border, and I'll tell you, it was cold. 40 degrees below zero was the average temperature for the winter. And as our son that was here the other, uh, just last night, would say, Dad, it snows up here 13 months out of the year. When you shoveled the snow, you made sure that's where you wanted it because that's where it was going to be come May, springtime, when it would begin to melt because you weren't going to move it again. I had gotten sick. I wasn't feeling very well. But when I would blow my nose, now this is weird, guys. I would blow my nose. It would shoot out my ear. That was not a cool trick. I went to the doctor and I said, Doc, what's up? He said, let me look at that ear. And he started looking at that ear. You had surgery when you were young, didn't you? Yes, sir, I did. He told me what they did. He said, let me look at that ear again. And he's digging around down in that ear. He said, well, here's the problem right here. You don't have an eardrum. It's about all but gone. Well, I didn't realize that the eardrum evidently is kind of like a stopper so that that stuff comes out your nose and not your ear. The other kind of hearing loss deals with nerve damage and the information getting to the brain. And obviously... Isaiah had some hearing problems. And I bet you and I have hearing problems too. Just not physically, but spiritually too. When we're communicating with God and we can't hear His voice. And again, we get so wrapped up in life that we, uh, I, I don't want to say it, but sometimes we even forget that He is present in life. And we can't hear him. Well, Isaiah heard that day. But he had to take care of the sin first. And then he had no problem. Heaven's chatter. What did he hear? Whom will go for us? We have a message to send to the people, who's going to go? Who's going to do this? So not only did Isaiah see the need to be cleansed from his sin, see the need to hear God clearly as he was hearing him right now, but he also from his answer, well, I'm right here, God, send me. 
Now, if I ask Pastor John, how many of you all do that when he comes along? Hey, I need your help. Let me go pray about it first. Uh, let me take care of some other things first. I got some ball games to attend. I've got, I just got stuff to do, Pastor John. And immediately Isaiah, Lord, I'm right here. I, you just can't see me any plainer. God, I'm right here. Send me. He saw the need to join in God's work, not my work, not in what he was doing at the temple, but in God's work. He didn't have the excuses. He just simply said, here I am, Lord, send me. Even if you read further, you will find out that this message that Isaiah had to speak to the people was not a popular message. In fact, God said, Isaiah, they're not even going to listen to you. They're not going to hear you. They're not going to care. And in fact, I'm going to wear this nation down to a stump. Because they're just that obstinate. But I need you to preach the message. Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. The punctuation makes all the difference in the world. The exclamation point, here I am. It wasn't a shy, okay, God, if you can't find somebody else. You think of Abraham when the Lord told him to go somewhere else. And Abraham packed up his families and his belongings and he went straightway. How about Jonah? Now Jonah was another story, wasn't he? Jonah heard God's voice. Jonah's prayer was not aligning with his will to God's will because these people in Nineveh were, were just abusing his hometown people and he was not going to put up with it. And Lord, they're not worthy of the gospel. They don't need to hear the gospel. And I'm headed the other direction. I hear you plain as day, but I'm not going. They don't deserve your love. They don't deserve your grace, your mercy. I'm afraid to ask, how many of us do that to people all day long? Lord, they don't align with my beliefs. They don't align with how I think people should act. Those teenagers just are not worthy, God. I hope you do something else. Bring somebody else into their lives. Because that is one messed up group. These young millennials, Lord, I don't want to have my hands on them. I don't want to be responsible. We choose. We choose to have attitudes like that. And God's knocking on our heart's door. Watch it. Watch it. Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. And then we have the infamous passage where Jesus is ascending into heaven and he looks at the disciples. 
And he says, go, or maybe even a better translation saying, as you go, as you are living life, as you are working, as you are growing your family, as life is just moving, make disciples. Make disciples. Go. Don't sit here, but go. Get busy. The life that Isaiah had committed to the Lord was notable to be a priest. And if I'm clear on those priests, they didn't get to serve in the temple all the time. But when his number came up that day, he saw truly who he was before God and he knew he needed to repent of his sin. He heard God unmistakably that day. Who will go? Who are we going to send? And he immediately says, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'll get involved. Where do you find yourself this evening? Where do you find yourself? It's a violent storm that took out a tree, and this tree was just pretty massive. I know up where we live that happens quite a bit. It doesn't take much wind or rain because it's so moist in the area here on the East Coast that the trees don't get a, a, a rooted system. It's not like out west. Um, if you see a tree out west, we, we live in Kansas right now for just for a year as interim pastors for a Wesleyan church. And when you see a tree in Kansas, somebody put it there. Here, you have a clearing in the trees and there's a house. Well, there, if you see a tree, there's a house next to it. But this tree um, was taken down and it was a large lofty tree and as the ones that began to remove it from the roadway began to inspect the inside here the tree was all but hollowed out and all it took was the first termite to make its way through the bark and begin eating at the inside of that tree. And eventually that tree had no strength whatsoever to weather any storm. And I wonder if that's where some of us, even believers in Jesus Christ, are at. Life is just eaten away at us. So harshly. That when other things come in, we just have no strength, and we haven't even tried to ask the Lord. And we know His presence is available to us to weather anything. We're dealing with unconfessed sin. Yes, even in the church. We for sure can't hear God clearly 
because we walk by people who need to hear about his love and his grace and his mercy daily. And we fail to extend a word of encouragement. Church, we, we remain sitting on the sidelines watching the game no matter our age when God has called us to be involved. I wonder if you would stand. Maybe, Robbie, would you come and Courtney come and y'all just sing the course of that song again. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that is dealing with some unconfessed sin. This altar is open and I would encourage you to come. Maybe there's some here tonight that um, you're just not hearing God clearly and there's some things obstructing your hearing. You need to deal with those things tonight. Don't wait. And then maybe we need to get involved. Whatever that might be, whatever that might mean for you. Whether it's in the church or the community or whatever it might be, we just need to be involved. So I'm going to ask you to come. and I'd love an opportunity to pray with you this evening as they sing this course. Spirit, you are. 
Father's place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what us born for to be overcome by your presence. Holy God, we thank you again for who you are. And Lord Jesus, I don't know if we had our Isaiah experience, but Lord, um, you continue to help us work out our salvation. Lord, to grow closer to you. Lord, it's way more than we ever thought it could be think it could be, God, and when we feel like we get a handle on something, Lord, you challenge us to even grow closer. God, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would deal with our sin, not only confessing it to you, but God, stop and repent. Whether it be attitudes, Lord, or words that come from our mouth that destroy rather than build up. Lord, secret lives that we deal with behind closed doors, Lord God, that you would cleanse us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. Lord, that you would speak to us in a way that we know you are talking and Lord, that we would begin to hear your voice in a new way. Maybe we haven't heard from you in, in a long time. And God, we're just less deprived and desolate because of the things of life that we've allowed to drown you out. So God, let us hear your voice. Lord, help us to get involved with your will, with your story, Lord God, with your purposes for our life, for the church, and the community that we live, with the people that we have influence with, God. Help us to be bold in proclaiming your word, extending your grace and mercy. Draw us deeper, Lord God, in our lives with you. We thank you, Holy God. We want to worship you. Lord, I feel like Jacob. We don't want to let you go. We want your blessing. So God, help us to work for it. Live our lives for you is worthy of the call you place in our hearts. Christ Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen.